Hello and welcome to the Emerald Games Cast episode. Well, I suppose this is episode seven. Seven again. HD remake. The seven HD remake gold edition remaster. Game of the year. Game of the year edition comes with all the DLC. Uh, my name is Nolan. With me is I'm Alex. I'm Andrea. And uh, we got some stuff going on, guys. We're two weeks away from E3. The games we industry are, yes. is like surprisingly uh, moving pretty slow right now. Well, it though. makes sense. They're saving all their exciting stuff for E3, which we I'm excited to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. Let's just jump into it. We got this Mario Kart mobile game. It's a weird sentence, isn't it? I hate it. You I hate, hate that it. sentence. And I hate the game and from everything I've me, seen. Talk to me about Mario Kart Tour. If you guys don't know, Nintendo made an Animal Crossing mobile game a while back, which was also, I think... And a Fire really Emblem weird, mobile game. Yeah. They've done these mobile games that I've been pretty disappointed with, and I was thinking Mario Kart could be a decent fit, but this gameplay came out and... Well, so, of course, it's in deep, deep beta. Like, there's whole press embargo, but hey, I didn't sign an NDA, so I can talk about it all I want. Uh, essentially, it's Got just... Got leaked by some German dude on YouTube. Yeah. Well, Deutsches plenty of people Mario have Kart put their Tour gameplay. Online, <laughs> Wir spielen mit MKT in der closed beta blind von einen, einen Samsung Galaxy Note 9. So Good job. The thing that most people notice upon first seeing this gameplay is it's in vertical mode. I honestly think that's probably a good decision for a Mario Kart mobile game. However, the camera is like so close, you can't see anything. All we have to go off of is this gameplay, which is totally unauthorized. And um, <laughs> I, I understand that it's a kart game and like the idea is like, oh, you're not going as fast as like a high speed racing. But it looks so slow and uninteresting, especially when you compare it to like Mario Kart 8. Like... So this, this just looks lifeless. Des- describe what you're seeing in terms of actual gameplay. So I, this is kind of hard to interpret, but it looks actually pretty similar uh, graphically to me to like about a Mario Kart Wii, maybe. Yeah. One thing that Nintendo has been really good at mm-hmm. is all of their mobile games actually look really nice, either on par or surpassing uh, their other entries in those respective franchises. I wouldn't be surprised. This if, isn't different. I wouldn't be surprised if this just like was the Wii era renders, but above 480p, because that's kind of what it yeah, looks like to that, me, honestly. That totally is exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So in that case, they, they even look better than some old Nintendo games. Yeah. But the whole thing is the carts accelerate automatically. You're constantly going forward. All mm-hmm. you're doing is just steering. However, uh, of course, given that you only have the range of the phone's horizontal length, yeah. There isn't much you can do to control it. I don't even think drifting is a thing. The no, tracks I, all seem very simple from what I've seen. I was going like, to say, I imagine it would affect level design in terms of like how sharply you're able to turn corners without uh, like a wide range yeah, to slide your finger. Everything's and, so wide. Oh, goodness. It just looks so boring and lifeless. But you can't talk about it too much, honestly. I, I don't think it's fair to lampoon it so much when Nintendo themselves don't even want to show gameplay of it yet. It's in closed beta. They're hopefully going to make changes. But any gameplay changes they make, none of them will make up for however they're going to monetize it. Hey, you know, Mario Run was okay. It was $10 out of the gate and and minimal microtransactions. And and that was a bit steep for a mobile game. I was going to say $10 is pretty steep. But they probably learned their lesson because Mario Mario Run didn't didn't sell very well. But I think that there is a space being relatively unfilled for premium mobile games. If Nintendo were to pop out here and say Mario Kart Tour is five bucks in-game unlocks, I think I'd be for that. But I don't necessarily expect they're going to do that because I already can see in this gameplay that they're collecting what are called looks like grand stars. And they're sometimes they scroll over certain courses and it says, oh, you need three more stars to access this course. And 
that's a pretty traditional game unlock mechanic, but that who knows? That could be a premium currency. It could be. I mean, you're talking about like premium mobile games. I just don't think that is a space that needs to be filled at all. If a game is good on mobile, it's probably going to have been developed on mobile first. Yeah. Uh, adapting these pre-existing console games to mobile, I it just doesn't work. This is why I don't understand. I do understand. Nintendo sits on this IP gold mine, right? They have all kinds of of reasons to dip into the space for mobile, but. With the talented developers they have, and, and Nintendo's history of taking hardware gimmicks and turning them into new concepts, I'm a little baffled why they keep trying to touch screen adapt controls for games that aren't doing anything that their console counterparts can't do. Like, why don't they make a spinoff of a IP that they have? Like, do you remember Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks? Yeah, I love that. That the entire gameplay was stylus based and it had all kinds of weird new mechanics they gave link the boomerang that you could draw the trail with that was great none of the mobile games nintendo's been putting out have have taken advantage of what a touchscreen can actually do you know what i'm most angry about of all the mobile games i mean of all the games nintendo decided hey let's adapt to mobile why didn't they adapt warioware oh my god that's perfect i never thought about that's that the only one that i well, think could legitimately make the, a good the jump. micro games pacing too is perfect exactly you want to know why they didn't adapt marioware and they did adapt mario kart marioware marioware <laughs> continue you want to know why they adapted mario kart tour is because this game sells really really well it's popular with a casual audience and a casual audience is on their phones a lot so they know that they're gonna make this is their ace in the hole yeah but everyone's this on their is what they're expecting to make money everyone's on their phones a lot even hardcore gamers are on their phones a lot sure but like this is a very safe bet sure i guess all of their forays have been really safe they did gotcha a couple times and now oh, they're that's doing... right dragalia lost was kind of a mobile ground up game yeah dragalia well, lost was, was just straight up gotcha and then you yeah. also had uh fire emblem heroes i think it was also, I, had, I had some friends who were deep into fire emblem heroes pretty mm. much from what i heard yeah. also straight up gotcha yep, yep, and, and yep. To, to the point of like uh, adding swimsuit costumes for the female yep. fighters yep and, I don't even know what Animal Nintendo's. Crossing was supposed to be. Animal Crossing just had loot boxes in it, and it was really boring. See, Animal yeah. Crossing actually makes perfect sense. Their execution of the idea was underwhelming, but like a mobile Animal Crossing, I think, is a fantastic idea. Yeah, it's going to be awesome when it's on Switch when they uh, announce it in two years. Uh, I mean, they've already announced it, no, but when they release it in four hey, years. Hey, come on. Remember that, remember that crisp $5 bill? Out. It's going to be, we're going to hear about it at E3. I mean, I'm with we're going to hear about this. it in E3, and then we're going to get it in five years. They wouldn't. They don't tend to show things at E3 that they don't tend to have out in the next couple months. This is going to be year. the first E3 where they show something. <laughs> this is going to be the first E3 where they show something that they're going to release in six years. All right. Uh, like every time you mention it, it just gets farther away. This is Final Fantasy VII. We had a little moment we there. Did. All right. So guys, hit me up with like, what do you want to see Nintendo do with their mobile move? They've got this big land grab they're going for. They're not making moves. What what can they do? Stop. <laughs> all right all right but we're talking about the japanese market here they're not going to stop i mean honestly everything... I, I already said my piece okay. warrior wear. that's all that's all i really want warrior wear would make sense yeah. or, or pikmin alt no alternative or, alt, eh? alternatively leave that in alternatively <laughs> um remember what they did with the um with the gamecube where you could connect your uh game boy oh. that's what i was gonna say companion apps that are like mini games in themselves exactly there's that's been some experimentation with pokemon go and let's go yes that's exactly yes. the kind of stuff that i've wanted for a really long time just like i want a way to make my mobile game interact with my console game so when i get home it's just like oh i collected all of these i don't know 
I don't know what kind of currency would use. I don't know. I got 17 Pikachus and I'm going to put them in my Pokemon. Listen, Nintendo, here's the plan and you can have this one for free. I'm letting you take it, okay? <laughs> Doug Jeff. Bowser, listen up. Sonic, Doug Bowser, listen up. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle Switch Port. Uh, never okay. mind, you ruined it. And then you take the Game Boy Link Cable functionality where you can oh mess God. with your Chow Garden you and ru- feed them. You ruined and you, it, then you brought it back. And, and then you, <laughs> you make a mobile Chow Garden, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. And you, you move all the Chow Garden functionality from the Switch port into the mobile game. And then you have, it's, a, it's your companion. So now. it's like Neko Atsume, but It's like Neko Atsume with Chow. Chows. Yeah. And and it has all the stuff, okay, the gardens, all, the kindergarten. Why are you addressing Doug Bowser's? You should be addressing John Sega. John but- Sega. <laughs> Second of all, uh, yes, Steven take Ma- my money Steven now. Sonic. Yeah. Speaking of Sonic and John Sega. Oh, we got some Sonic news. Woo! We do. Andrea, are, are you prepared to face the truth, face I'm, the facts? I've been facing the truth every day, and that's why I'm the broken person I am now. Okay, well, you're about to get a lot more broken, because uh, they just announced that they were going to delay uh, the Sonic movie to actually Valentine's Day. I, I love it. It's it's so romantic. It's the, <laughs> it's the perfect movie for a date. Corny Collins and Mario are gonna have sex. <laughs> Darling dear, let us go to the Blue Hedgehog film. Ooh, he's got white gloves now. Oh, how, how very dainty. Okay, if you guys don't remember, Andy a few episodes ago predicted. Well, she didn't predict. She just declared yeah. that the that the Sonic movie redesign, which they they came out and said they were gonna redesign Sonic based off the backlash, and Andy said that she thought that they already had done the redesign and they were just doing this as some twisted PR spin. But now we know that's not true because the movie is about, what is this, four or five months later than initially slated? Yeah, it was supposed to come out Like November, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and now it was supposed to hit the Christmas season. They really want to land a holiday here. Well, they really want to make this a go-to movie. Generally speaking, uh, the holidays are the best time to release a movie. One of the worst times is right after. So like that whole month, the, the couple months yeah. of like uh, January, February, dead season for movies you get a couple gems but usually it's always just like things that they don't think will sell and the sonic guys are out here trying to figure out whatever they can do to make this sell what a weird pitch you know like the target audience for this i can't figure out if it's the people that are ragging on sonic or the sonic fans or both and i think they're trying to sell it as like a family it's like the it reminds me a lot of alvin the chipmunks oh 100 it's just like a family film that they can sell to like mass market appeal Maybe and they just happen to have Sonic in maybe it. Maybe they're going for like the the mom who who's who hears, you know, their kids say, I want the new Mario game, and they go out and buy like new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii because it says new on it, you know? They're going for those ones that just say, Hey, my my kid likes a Sonic. And I have <laughs> I can, I have some spare cash for for <laughs> Valentine's Day since my husband <laughs> doesn't take me out anymore. Oh <laughs> it'll be perfect. Wait, if their husband took them out, then uh, I mean generally speaking, they would be the ones paying. Ring, I, ring tie-ins. Valentine's Day <laughs> ring tie-ins. It's golden rings. It's perfect. That's true. That's true. Oh, no. You've <laughs> discovered it. You found the real puzzle inside of the riddle. Look, I'm dropping so many ideas today. Nintendo, you got that one. Sega, this one's for you, too. N- Nintendo got... No, Sega got them both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. You're right. Nintendo didn't get anything. Oh, man. All right. Well, we, we're going to anyway, go see it ba- on Wednesday. We're into it. Back to the, the crux of the whole thing. Um, I'm wrong in their whole PR thing. Yeah, I'm glad wrong. that I'm wrong. Uh, this movie is still going to be a piece of shit, and I'm not going to watch it. So. What oh, surprises me the You're going to watch it with us opening night. We're all going to go together. In fact, you got, you know, live studio audience, you, you, you come too. We'll get the whole crew together. <laughs> yeah. We'll get the whole thing going. Squad. Squad trip. Hey. 
Um, but what surprises me about this is one of the reasons that I was on your side was like, there's no way that they could have let it purposefully get this bad. Not Nobody in the studio was like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should tweak something. Th- this disproves that. This shows that, oh, they thought it was fine. And be it just like this weird sort of corporate, like wanting to please people or, or whatever. Like, I'm just still shocked that they were so okay with this. Yeah, yeah. It's It's weird how it got to where it is already. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the new one looks like. Do you think they're going to give him the mono eye? I oh, better. sure hope so. But they're not going to be able to pull that off. No, not, not unless they change his I, I art I legitimately style think that would be really hard to actually like animate and not yeah. look disgusting. Well, that's the yeah. whole thing. Sonic's entire premise, his character design, was designed to look dynamic from a side angle. He is a 100% intrinsically 2D character. That's the whole problem with Sonic's 3D transition is just that his spikes don't, don't make sense in 3D at all. They just really don't. Yep, yep. All right, guys. We got some news. That isn't about Sonic. Oh, you guys God. like Cyberpunk? Yeah. Okay, it's okay. Cyberpunk 2077. I like living oh, in the I current. That. I like living yeah. in the current modern society that we live in today. Ooh. We're not cool enough to have Cyberpunk. That's stuff true. Yet. It's yeah. like a lame Cyberpunk. Okay, anyways, Kotaku's Jason Schreier, our old standby boy, put out a report about Cyberpunk 2077's developer CD Project Red, where they came out and uh said that they are going to take steps to try and prevent crunch time and inhumane work conditions. And this is, if you've been listening in the wake of a lot of stories of developers getting kind of kind of caught red-handed by the press, putting their employees in pretty bad work conditions during crunch time, especially when the games are in their lead-up to release. So this is a pretty interesting story. Someone's getting ahead of the press and coming out and basically saying, hey, look, not us with a game that's still pretty far off and there's a lot to unpack here what what do you guys think uh, on one hand i think it's a good thing to be to themselves starting out acknowledging that crunch time is gross and that they don't want to do it on the other hand i'm not entirely sure i believe them yeah they've had a history with this before exactly yeah witcher 3 had quite a bit of crunch time from okay, what we've heard so th- that's an interesting example though because the witcher 3 is infamously one of the largest most content rich games ever made and i don't this is actually a pretty interesting angle for the discussion because CD Projekt Red has kind of developed a space for themselves with making huge, intricate, detailed worlds. And the whole thing we've been talking about with Crunch Time is downsizing games just in general. So I'm kind of curious, do you think a game like 2077 or The Witcher is really even possible with the modern fidelity of games without expecting employees to work a little bit of... You know what I'm getting at? I mean, yeah, no... Uh, this is a discussion that we've had in the past where I think a tiny bit of crunch time uh, mm-hmm. is natural. That's just the fact of like a lot of development in any sort of medium. There's going to be like the week of release. You're probably going to be scrambling like crazy. People are going to be working long hours. But this I, can't be a constant thing. It's not exactly, sustainable. Yeah. Exactly. You, If you're constantly working those long, long weeks for months on end... That's when, uh, yeah, no, that's really, really gross. It's inhumane. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of developers would actually, like, they do want to work long hours for something that they've invested a lot of time into. Yeah. In moderation. Like, on, on the release week when, they're, when the game's getting ready to go gold, for those of you who don't know, going gold is when the game reaches its final, like, iteration. Like, it's usually a few months when before it's, it's actually, yeah, yeah, ready to launch that comes a little while before release. Specifically, going gold refers to printing the files onto a disc. Yeah, exactly. That's when you go yeah. gold. The time before a game goes gold, 
I'm sure a lot of developers would actually revel in the experience of being around all their people, getting this thing done and having it, you know, completed. The mm -hmm. issue is CD Projekt Red in the past has had some bad issues with uh, Crunch with Witcher 3. Now, to come back to your original question, do I think it's possible without Crunch? Yes. With enough time, they can make a huge game. Right. But honestly, given how much time they've been working on the thing, I think that's, uh, it's reasonable to expect them to be able to deliver a game without too much crunch. To be fair, it, it, when you talk about the amount of time they've been working on the game, according to the article, the announcement of the game was in 2013, but production did not begin until 2015. So we're, really? We're about four Ooh. years into development, which is really surprising considering that really beefy 45-minute demo they put out that looks pretty damn full-featured. However, having read that book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, pretty recently, one of the big takeaways I learned from that book is that often E3 demos are vertical slices such that they make these things and they put features in them that don't even work in the game just to look good on a screen. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Cyberpunk 2077, we can we can judge the process of the game based off that demo, but I feel like from what I've seen from CD Projekt so far, they feel pretty confident in where the production is heading right now. I mean, how much longer do you see a game like this taking? I mean, it's, do you think it'll land within the 8th gen console lifespan like it was planned to they did confirm that i thought didn't they i don't i don't believe so i mean they announced it that way but there's been examples in the past where things have been announced for a console gen and then didn't make the cut sure, in sure. time the last guardian is a good example of that that was like they were steadfast sure this is a ps3 game and it just wasn't cd project red has built up a big reputation they are very well respected among gamers as they themselves mentioned in this article i, I love that he's like i want to be humble here but we're pretty respected by gamers. And that's not a lie at all. They not at all. certainly earned no. that title, which are Yeah, but do you want to be respected by gamers? Yes. <laughs> Semantics aside, Semantics. he chose the word. It doesn't matter. They're in Poland. No, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Their opinions are invalid. They're Polish. No, that's Wh not what I mean. Witcher English 3, is not his first language. The Witcher 3 is legitimately one of the best games, best crafted games oh, yeah. I've ever experienced. And that's not an uncommon belief. I, I got to say, I just finished it for the first time less than a month ago. And I was I was blown away. I'm already trying to like get back into the DLC. It was highly recommended. If you haven't played Witcher yeah. 3, get on that. It's not like a, a revolutionary game, but it's definitely one of the most well-crafted ones. That's kind of their thing is like yeah. is like executing near perfectly on, on something that people have already true done. tropes, yeah. 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 Do I think that they can get this done without crunch? Maybe. <laughs> it's that simple. It's maybe. I I I'm waiting to see how it will develop. I think that this is a somewhat uh hollow like promise saying yeah. that hey we're going to be more humane to all of you the the big thing they're talking about in particular is that when people are asked to work long hours or weekends it's just that uh, the developers need to know that it's not mandatory of course but well, that's, that's kind of what, what was, yeah. is true yeah, of every studio that's true of every studio yeah it's just a matter of hey if you don't then you're going to be like socially ostracized within the company yeah and Wh shamed for not doing which it. this article does call attention to people um cd project red devs were talking to schreier about his anthem article and said if you swapped the studio out with my studio and the title out with my game it, this is this is my story basically yeah but what you're talking about with crunch time being in in a, a relatively somewhat inevitable thing towards the end of production i think this is a pretty even at, even at certain other points in production like usually right. just during big milestones i think this is a, this is a good quote from one of the heads of the studio he says 
from a, from a wider perspective, we have to remember that the whole production takes, say, four years, sometimes five years. And most of the time, like three years, there's no crunch. There's no additional hours. Sometimes before E3, we crunch, but most of the time production's pretty normal. We're talking about the very last round towards release. It's always difficult to manage, but you know that there are some complications. It's really difficult not to use all the forces at the very end of development. Plus, there's another factor. Well, he goes on and talks about other things. But the point is that quote, I think, illustrates what you're talking about. Yeah. Where if they have a long dev cycle, I think what Alex is saying, it can't be sustained. It sounds like CD Projekt actually is taking a lot of steps to not sustain it, as opposed to a story like with um, with Red Dead or with Anthem, where sustaining that kind of was the, you know, modus operandi. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with everything they're yeah. saying. I'm just curious how the employees, when, after this whole thing is done, how the employees are going to feel about it if they hold to, true to their promises. Oh, or even if yeah. it happens. Because this, this, this studio is very secretive. I mean, no one's in there getting unreleased info on the dev cycle of this game, and they're not going to provide it. So there's no way to really know what it looks like in there. But, like, this is a studio that I'm inclined to trust because of their reputation. So there's a little bit of bias inherent in there. But um, CD Projekt Red has done a lot more than other studios to gain goodwill in terms of trying to be like a, a good force in the industry especially with their gog stuff trying to do you know game preservation and drm removal I, I i can see them actually really following through on this when you've delivered a product like that and uh you've already got so much goodwill having good pr in order to garner goodwill <laughs> is easier than actually oh yeah yeah you know following through on it i that's true you can be inclined to trust them. They've already gotten a lot of people's trust. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm just going to have to wait. I, uh, I'm i inherently inclined not to trust, uh, I you know, I think I'm also biased because this, this is my, aside from Death Stranding, this is my number one most anticipated game on the horizon. Like oh, nothing I, I hypes me more than this too. game because yes, I can't wait. I think all three of us are very, oh, very excited God. for this game. This might be the only game we agree on in terms of that hype level because I, <laughs> I, know, I know Death Stranding is very polarizing oh, in this I, room. I'm, I'm hyped for Death Stranding. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely hyped for it. Whether or not it's going to be good is a whole other can of worms. Oh, but if it's terrible, I'm still going to play it <laughs> probably more than once. You know it. But I just want, okay, t- tiny, tiny side tangent. I've always wanted a game where I can just like walk into a restaurant and sit down and like watch out the window for a few minutes. And Cyberpunk 2077 is like looking like it's shaping up to be that kind of game for me. I want to just go in this world and like chill out and walk around a city. And oh, I just want it to be so good. You should probably play MMOs, man. Yeah, that's. Or go outside. I or, do plenty that. of that. I do a lot of that too. Come on. The most cyberpunk thing that we've discussed is the fact that you wish that you could simulate like a nice diner in a video game. Hey, you know, I do. I do both. I do both. Yeah. But question, can you sim- can you in real life hang out in a diner as a cat girl? You uh, cannot. I, there you go. Case would, in point. Why would you want to? Why would you want to talk about our next news story <laughs> with me? You guys, we got to talk about the Epic Store again. Oh, boy. Do we have to? Gamers' favorites. News straight out of Fortnite HQ. It's coming it's coming in hot. Epic Games Store had a big sale lately. I believe it might still be going on. They had a thing where they basically gave $10 off every game over $15, anything on this threshold. But they did not tell any you know, allegedly, did not inform any of the publishers who were selling games that this was happening, which in this industry is a pretty big deal. Because if you've just released a game recently, 
and somebody cuts 10 bucks out of your price. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but post-release window is where you make the most money. And if you're cutting, you know, significantly more, about 15% of your profit from every single purchase, that's, it's a pretty shitty move, basically. So a lot of big games, Vampire Masquerade, the Bloodline, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, <laughs> Bloodlines 2, a, a Paradox game, Borderlands 3, completely pulled their games off the store. Because another thing Epic didn't do was give publishers a way to opt out of the sale without completely pulling their game off the store. So, because it doesn't sound as good if you don't say if you don't say, oh, the whole store is like ten dollars off if it's fifteen dollars. I wouldn't doubt yeah. that, and also I wouldn't be surprised if they just didn't have the infrastructure in place to not <laughs> to like opt a game out because. Mm-hmm. The Epic Game Store seems to be held together with strings and duct tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the thing I think I can agree on. As much as I am frustrated with people that boycott Epic on principle, it's not a good platform. Like so, but this is actually like a really interesting example of like who this is hitting though. If you guys know Supergiant Games, they made Bastion, they made um what what's the name my, of them? My gods. Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, yeah. and now Hades. I so, love them so much. They made Bastion, Transistor, Hades, and Pyre. And I love them, and they're my favorite. I have a po- transistor poster in my yeah. room. Yeah, you do. It's gorgeous. Relatively small uh, indie studio. They were in kind of the oh. forefront of the news. Well, they're not, you know, as small as some, but they're not even technically indie, but whatever. Oh, okay. But the point is, they made the news when they kind of made a deal with Epic Games Store initially when they were going to release their newest game, Hades, as an Epic Store exclusive. Back when the store was first being announced, when it didn't have any clout behind it, and um. Hades is still in early access, and they're a really interesting example to me of someone who was hit by this, where their game is, I think, like only like $25 maybe for the early access version, but it got knocked down to $17, and like nobody told them this was happening. And when you're a relatively small studio, I know they're not as small as others, but from what I've learned about, you know, game dev and funding, like you need all the dollars you can get when, you, when you're working on a game that is in its, in its you know, pre-release cycle. So, and that's... You know, that's seven bucks out of every sale for a game that's already less than 30. Now, I think one thing I'm not clear on is my understanding was that Epic is the one that's taking the hit is that they're the one who's like, oh, we're not the part of the profits that we would make. We're not making on this sale. Is that true? Well, I don't think so, because the big thing about the Epic store compared to Steam is that the developer gets a much larger percentage of the cut than Epic does, which is which is kind of their big selling point. In this way, the people on the Epic Store during this sale are probably going to be making less money from Epic sales than they would be on Steam, despite the higher percentage. But interesting thing, if you bought the games before they were removed, um, Epic is honoring that price. People are getting to keep the games they purchased before the sale, you know, before people pulled their games off the store. But uh, it's pretty interesting. They're they're in an early stage. They need the, they need the goodwill from developers um, to get people to... Come on, and I think this is a, this is a pretty big slip up in terms of like uh, working with your with your vendors. They kind of build their store at the beginning off of goodwill from developers, given that hey, we've got yeah. a much larger price, you know, for the the developers get more money than right. in in Steam, but they're quickly losing that, and this is also coming off of the heels of um. In case you didn't know, Steam actually released a uh, pamphlet recently intended for uh, Steam developers, hmm. uh, documenting all of the things they get when they release their game on Steam. Stuff like uh, DDoS protection for their servers, you know, just making it really easy for developers to host their own uh, servers for their Mm -hmm. multiplayer games and a bunch of other stuff like that. DRM, anti-cheat, 
all that other stuff. But, you know, really trying to make it seem like, hey, yeah, we are taking a bigger cut, but here's what you get in return. Right. So I I think uh, Epic is already losing the war of goodwill. I would argue they lost the the war of goodwill a long time ago. Well, I mean, with with, <laughs> with consumers, but with sure, developers, sure. I'm saying that they're, they're not even yeah. getting that. You guys hear about when the uh, the representative from Epic came out and said, like, "Hey, if Steam is willing to up their cut to developers, we'll we'll walk back on all this exclusivity stuff." Really, I, I, I think, didn't hear that. I think that's that's total bullshit. I don't you, believe you that. You mean you either, think but... he's like bl- bluffing or Oh, he's totally bluffing. Yeah. 100%. I mean, cuz like also Steam, I don't think Steam would do that. Yeah, exactly. Cuz clearly whatever Steam is doing isn't working for him so far. Yeah, clearly. You know? It's like I think everybody The thing is, developers I think still want to be on Steam. I mean, I can't speak for him, but I think you'd still want to be on Steam. The market share is just so much larger. Mm-hmm. They you, have a monopoly on the, the PC market. The number of copies you'll sell on Steam versus Epic, I think I would guess would probably outweigh the percentage increase that Epic would give you um, because you'd be making just more sales. I mean, optimally, you just wouldn't make it exclusive, just release it on both platforms. Yeah, but that's like going to not fly right now when Epic is so young and trying to get everyone to sign exclusivity deals Mm -hmm. because that's kind of their bread and butter. They need something to convince people to go there and stay there and for it to not just be the Fortnite machine. Yeah, How do y'all feel about the Discord game store? You know, I... Um, I mean, I don't care. I'm not going to use it. I don't plan on using it. Yeah, I really like the idea of having like a centralized hub where I can just go and have all my friends and all my games. But uh, so far, they don't really have, I mean, what they have timed exclusives, right? They'll have like a two week discord first thing. Yeah. But they don't really have like anything to anchor me into using them versus the advantage of Steam is just the time that I've I've been there for like seven years. So yeah, yeah, totally. just having my library is really making it really difficult to want to move to anyone else's service just because of the games I have and I don't want to juggle so many launchers at once so yeah the the one big thing that made me really worried about the discord store is uh if your discord get account gets banned for like you know the a discord violation in chat if you've committed any discord crimes discord crimes <laughs> uh you lose your games too oh yeah well, wait really yeah I, I didn't know that that sucks yeah, um, they're selling licenses, not games. You know, it's that I mean, whole that, situation. That's everybody, right? That, it's that whole situation, but it's even worse when it's tied to a, a major chatting program. Look, guys, I'm not saying I'm just saying GOG Galaxy 2.0. That everything, everything is I'm DRM-free. I'm very curious to see how that's going to work. And isn't there also a uh, something that they're working on is like a, a central hub where you can go through all of these. You can put all of your games in one launcher, yeah. essentially. I mean, th- yeah. there have been plenty of things I, like that. I already God, use one. I yeah. use, like, a third-party thing called Play Night that yep. just, like, reads all my libraries into one launcher, and that's, oh, it's a godsend. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I love stuff like that, and God Galaxy is already a good program. If you give me another one that yeah. looks even better, I'm way into it. But it's really funny. I looked into their uh, their images for uh-huh. God Galaxy 2. It looks so much like the Steam redesign that got leaked <laughs> yeah. like two yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. It looks almost identical. If you guys, by the way, don't know what DRM is, DRM is basically like the license that means when you buy a game on Steam, you have to play it on Steam. Digital rights management. It's... Uh, you know, it's like copy protection. Right. Basically. So what GOG does that's pretty unique, they're the only store that does this, is, I I, I believe, I could be wrong. Humble Bundle as well. well yeah, that's true. Maybe the only, like, I don't know if they're like a, they don't have like an online store. They don't have like a launcher. Well, they do actually, GOG do? Galaxy. Yeah, but it's mostly just a, like a collection of your your files. So, but what GOG does is when you, when you buy the game, you just get the files and you can, you, they're yours. You can do whatever you want with them. You don't need to be online. You don't need to have a launcher. 
Um, that's the idea behind DRM free, which everyone's moving toward DRM because you know, it makes more money. So it, it's to prevent piracy, but uh, a lot of people have. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical to how much DRM actually does prevent piracy. I mean, Gog's been doing just fine. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of services doing just fine oh, no. and or not doing just fine. Pour one out. Pour one out for the Oya, oh yeah, the Ouya, yeah. however you pronounce it. The you only, guys remember the Ouya? The only thing worth pouring out for Ouya is a Capri Sun. Like That's actually... Uh, to refresh it after playing some fun video games. Yeah. Some fun so Android weird. video games. Yeah. Okay. Duck Game launched on the Ouya. Did you know that? Oh my god, why? Wait, when? Really? Duck Game was originally an Ouya title. That, you know As what? was uh, Towerfall. You know what kind of... Well, Towerfall I remember, yeah. I was okay. had a couple of good games, and Tell then they left Ouya and got even better. Tell me what it was. Tell me what Ouya was, Alex. Uh, so Ouya was a attempt to shake up the uh, the game console market, uh, but people who didn't understand video games. Um, it was essentially like a little a little a little box, a little machine that you could play mostly Android games on. Yeah, but, uh, entirely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the idea was like, oh, it's it's cheap. It's like you can play a bunch of the games for free, or you can like play all of them for free. Well, with a subscription. And it didn't work for a variety of reasons. Um, it was cheap. Yeah. The lineup wasn't good. The controller was abysmal. Yeah. The UI was bad. It was slow and like none of the games on there. It's it's mobile games. So the funny thing about Ouya that, that makes it like an interesting story is there's been so many different people that have made sort of these like tiny micro consoles. Uh, micro consoles. But the reason that Ouya was a big deal is because the marketing push for Ouya was so assertive. It's a revolution. And yeah, yep, they, yep. they came out and said it was gonna it was gonna change the games industry. It would be the only way to play from here on in. They Ouya. really, really thought that they were gonna go toe to toe with like Sony and Microsoft. Yeah. In fact, uh God, what's the name of that guy who made the Ouya life and death montage? Kroby Cat? Oh yeah. God. Yeah. You you gotta watch the Kroby Cat video. He doesn't do any editorializing. He just strings together a bunch of clips of Ouya press events and it tells yeah such, the story tells itself oh my god it's like a it's like a Greek tragedy seeing Ouya rise and fall it's really a great story but he, the Ouya fell due to his hubris and yeah now the nail in the coffin is sealed because the online service <laughs> that they used has finally been shut down well no it's well when you listen to it it'll be shut down for us it shuts down tomorrow morning Oh, okay. when you listen to this it'll have been gone for about three days we so. gotta go download things on our Ouya <laughs> we gotta get we gotta, we gotta go. get it now and the Ouya is online only, so this is this is genuinely they're turning every Ouya into a paperweight. Basically. I mean, the Ouyas probably function better as a paperweight. Hey, <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. Oh, side note: Razor Forge TV. Yeah, that too. Who even knows what that is? I don't know what that Something is. Something else. Who do cares? We, do you think people are Something mourning down same day? <laughs> do you think people are mourning the Ouya? Like, do you think that there's a sect of people who are like kind of sad to see it go? One family in the Midwest who. <laughs> Is like down on their luck. The only video game console they could buy was an Ouya. Oh yeah, they're the only ones that's gonna mourn it. When and they're out it there still work. playing, they're out, they're out there playing Amazing Frog before bed each night. Like exactly, yeah. Towerfall. I can't even think of a, a third game that was on the Ouya. Exclusively, if it was on Android and it was on the Ouya. Yeah, but you know what? In comes a a new challenger to fill the gap here. And this time it's gonna be different. Mm, we hope so. Andy? It is definitely going to be different because that's entirely what this whole thing is based on. Um, so this group of uh, developers from Portland, Oregon. Not hey. developers, publishers. Publishers. Um, they'd only ever made... There's uh, some developers. Too. Well, they were software devs. Yeah, they did yeah. Mac software. 
but not they, many games. They published uh, the game Firewatch, which is an incredible video game, one of my favorites, to the Switch, and they are also publishing uh, Untitled Goose Game, yes. which ga- garnered some... Uh, which, by the way, is the title. Yes, the title is Untitled <laughs> Goose Game, uh, which garnered some uh, attention online for it being hysterical and fun. Uh-huh. Um, but they launched something else. Andy, you want to talk more about it? Yeah, so they're launching their own standalone device called the Playdate. Uh, it is a little yellow floppy disk looking uh, handheld machine that has a, uh, like, I believe 480p screen, something smaller than that, but it's in black and white. Yeah, it's kind of, actually, I would say it's kind of Game Boy looking. Oh, it, it looks like a little Game Boy. Kind of, but it's like in the uh, aspect ratio of a floppy disk. It's a fucking square. It's, it's, a, a, it's a yellow fucking square. It's a, you're forgetting the most important no, no, detail. Let, oh, we're no, getting there. Let me talk, you Neanderthal. So, don't say these things to me. Ooga, but ooga. what it's got is it's got a power button. It's got a. It's de- got a power button. Whoa! 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 No, that, that <laughs> spiked the fuck oh, out of that, that one. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, power Sorry. power button. The the thing's got a power button. It's got a D pad. Uh, it's got two really bad looking uh, look, front facing buttons. They look great. No, they're horizontal. Anything oh. that's not diagonal is going to be hell to use. I see they what look you mean. Nice and clicky though. They got they, that like. They're, texture to them. All we ha- all we have is renders right now. They're going back yeah, they to that. Look, like, they look clicky. That's not true, actually. Their um their their Twitter has photos of uh, dev kit versions like okay, on their okay. desks. But the most important and interesting thing to this whole device is the inclusion of another control method that we haven't yep. seen yep. in video games outside of perhaps fishing accessories. Uh, it's got a crank on it. Yeah, that I- folds out from the device. Uh, Listen, I don't know about y'all. But sometimes when I'm playing video games, I just, I just think, man, it'd be great if I could just crank it right now. If I could uh, just like take that crank and just, just crank it around, you know, cranking it, just so got a crank. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, the the really interesting thing about this is when you buy the device, which is one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, you also essentially get signed up for how they're releasing video games uh, on a season system. This so, is so cool to me. This is I, really fascinating. Yeah. So season one will include twelve games. Uh, when you buy the when you buy the device, it comes with one game shipped. Shipped, but uh, when you buy the device, you have the digital right to the next eleven games. But but here's the thing that I think is special about it because they're they're by no means the first people that have done a subscription service. What I think is cool about this is that they're basically asking the consumer to trust that we've picked that they've picked talented developers because the games are already they're all basically done they're all going to be you know prepared to ship when it comes out and there's supposed to be a surprise there's going to be no pre-release previews there's going to be no build-up you're just going to wake up one morning and turn on your play date and you'll have a new game and you have no idea what you're getting into the idea is to be playing all of these weird little sort of indie b movie projects as like a complete blind surprise well really quick they have i think teased, it's amazing they have teased a few of the games and the developers that are going to be on it most notably for me is uh katamari damasi's keita takahashi mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. making a game yep. uh bennett foddy from getting over it with bennett foddy and a bunch of other Quop is the biggest oh, that, one. that's right Quop. i forgot about that yeah that's but getting over it was like one. the twitch explosion yeah one. yeah that one's big he also made gurp oh yeah gurp nobody remembers gurp, what is gurp? <laughs> It's uh, like Quap, but you're climbing a rock. Gurps when you're in Unix and you want to search stuff oh, by shut a up. string. Get out of that's here, developer. Funny, that's my funny Unix joke for today. Thank you very much. It's a Unix system. But but I'm really excited about this whole thing. This thing is crazy. This thing is fucking nuts. I know All this. Right? Like, I, I, I really want it. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm just... I love this because I feel like 
what the game space is missing is someone to just come out and do this wacky experimental thing that no one even knows what to expect from because it just doesn't happen very often. And and, and not even like a weird B game, but someone just like, I'm going to make a Game Boy, but I'm going to put a crank on it. They, it's amazing. They're putting themselves in a position where it, it doesn't seem like the biggest um, risk because they have said that the initial run will be very limited. Which um, I'm worried about because uh, I want one. Exactly. I'm worried about that because I really want one. Uh-huh. But the idea of like it just like this group of independent developers being like, hey, uh, we want to make these cool artistic games, but we want to make them. Inter- you want to? In- they want people to interact with them in a way that just isn't done on the current. Uh, <laughs> like every single way that you interact with it, down to the controls, but not just the controls. The way you get the game. Yeah, that's such a crazy change in uh, like the idea that you will wake up and there's another game right there that you have no idea what it's going to be about. Yeah, that is somewhat of a magical kind of thing it's, to it's, me. It's, it's that's never as far as I know, have been done. I mean, I can't think of a time. I mean, the closest I can think of is like the humble monthly, but even then, like you're, you're paying for access to basically re-releases of like existing AAA games. Like I don't, has anyone ever just blind released small experimental games like this? Not to my knowledge. And I got to say in the press release, it says when your play date lights up with a brand new game delivery. And I don't know if that's just the way they worded that, but I'm really hoping that, Maybe it will genuinely have like a little blinking light or something. Because I would love. You guys remember with none of the renders seem to have a place for an LED hole. You remember with the Wii though? On the Wii, when you would get a message, the disc oh, sl- yes. the disc slot would blink blue, and so you'd come out into your room in the morning and you'd see your Wii blinking and go, "Oh, something got an update." Wouldn't it be cool if the screen I mean, just had a little flicker or something when you when a new game came out? Is this this is is this a Wi-Fi compatible? Uh, yes, it is Wi-Fi and Bluetooth compatible. Okay. That's well, cool. that's the question, though. Will the games be preloaded but locked, or will they be small downloads that happen day of? That's what I'm curious about, that, too. I am curious about that, too. I can't but... imagine they'd be able to get away with it being preloaded and locked. People would crack that really quickly. And the other thing is I they'd want to so, give yeah. the the devs later down the cycle, time. they could stagger their dev time if they let people work on the, you know, game number 12 a little bit longer than game number one. Mm-hmm. Um, like that would make it this less of a one and done type thing and more of a it, it could evolve. Yeah. Let's talk about the the one game that they have shown footage of. It's like Kranken's Crank, the... time travel. Kranken's time travel adventure. And this is the Kato Takahashi game. You yeah. do it only with the crank. And, and, and it looks like your little your little robot with like a like a winding key on his back. And they're using uh, the crank to move him along and trying to get on a date with this person at three but he keeps like running into obstacles and groundhog daying through it is that that's kind of what i'm getting is that yeah that's kind of what i'm seeing (laughs) yeah it looks really cute really unique and if these are the kind of games that uh this device will facilitate i'm so up for that just they they also said that uh there will be a development kit released uh so that you can code games in both lua and c which oh um, Lua is an easier thing for like it's pretty easy to pick up. C is more like um, oh I want to uh, program with a very very effective chainsaw that also stabs me in the hands while I use it. That's C. <laughs> but um, the fact that you can do both is awesome. Uh, 
I, I would love to see like a homebrew uh, scene for this whole thing. Yeah. How long till someone cracks it and starts throwing, you oh. know, Mario to the Lost Coins on there? I was going to say, yeah, we're going to get <laughs> we're going to get like Game Boy Tetris on here. It's perfect. Yeah, for it. it's flawless. Like I you crank it to make it fast fall. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come on. Even if somehow like if the game, the thing got shipped Everybody gets it, and then somehow all of the developers spontaneously die in a plane crash. Whoa. I, I still think that this device will facilitate some really cool and innovative uh, like indie like homebrew games, and that <laughs> excites me a lot. Do you think they'll embrace that? Like, Do you think they might oh, have an option? They, have like... they already have. That, what do you this, mean? This, this whole thing is. Well, like inter- homebrew, not specifically like oh. these developers that are coming and doing weird things, but like, can you preload like weird custom games? Yeah. On there? Yeah. No, they, uh, they specifically encourage that. I believe. Okay. That's awesome. I didn't see anything about that. I, I uh, not a, not that. on the webpage, maybe on Twitter or something. Uh, one second. Uh, I'm going to type. I'm not going to lie. When I saw this, the first thing I thought is that's not, this seems like an excellent Tetris machine. Okay. So I just looked it up. They don't actually have anything about custom games, but they do have a dev kit out and they said they're receptive to having, uh, like developers come to them to make a game, whether or not you can load your custom stuff on there. I, hope but I'm i mean people will, find, fig, people will find yeah, people will find a way to find it. a way but i doubt that i doubt they'll be too encouraging of it publicly just because like i wonder if that could get into some sort of legal issues um uploading other people's games or things like that yeah but i mean hey i want to know what bennett foddy's making like i love bennett foddy whatever it is it's gonna be really frustrating you well, know we do know that whatever kata takahashi made it was really cute like look at him did you he's guys, going along did you guys play getting he's over running. it never beat it did you, but did you play it mm-hmm. i actually haven't I thought getting over it with Bennett Foddy was a really interesting game. And I, and yeah, it was his third game that was really frustrating and clunky to play. But what that game was doing and what it was saying with his narration and sort of the twist at the end, I kind of don't know if he would make another game that frustrating. He seems like he's got a lot more going on in his head. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the ending. I have heard quite a bit of his uh, narration. It was surprisingly like, I mean, I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of a pushover in terms of like letting things emotionally affect me. But like that game was really weirdly underhandedly emotionally affecting in a way that it doesn't look like it would be. Yeah, but um, that's not what people care about. They care about uh, big Twitch man scream at game. That's that's true, man. Twitch really messed with that game's rep. I got I got to say it did seem like a lot cooler than anybody gave it credit for. Yeah. But as a whole, yeah, this if this device facilitates a bunch of weird independent development in a uh, I don't know, utilizing this control method that hasn't really been seen before. Uh, I, I'm I'm willing to drop the $150 for it's it. It's a good price point, too. That's another thing. Yeah, um, $150 for this thing, even if it turns out to be a brick, I still kind of... It's a beautiful brick. It's a beautiful brick, and also, if it becomes irrelevant in 20 years, I, I feel like it would have been cool to be part of a tiny piece yeah. of like obscure gaming history you know what it's not like to play devil's advocate here but this is what the early adopters of the ouya thought too yeah but like even then like yeah but i look at it a different way i'm i'm gonna look at it less as an ouya thing and more like a think about if you how cool you'd be if you owned a game boy micro today you know like you can say God, hey I still want one you say i was there i bought a game boy micro you know how much yeah. does this go for on ebay now probably not much they're really tiny the, I but, guess that doesn't matter. That yeah, they much. weren't they weren't like mass produced. They're like hard to come by. That's true. And they had the swappable face plates before the 3ds did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's not something the Playdate has. That means it's uh, going to be fine. 
Do you think we're going to get uh, alternate color releases? Are there going to be like designer models? Uh, if this thing becomes successful, I would love if they released a Playdate 2 with a completely different control set. Yeah. Ooh, It'd just be cool like if something they could... radically different? Yeah, yeah. Like I think that's the kind of thing that these people are going for. Like, Oh, one last thing I got to say about the Playdate. Um, this is just a little personal thing I noticed. When I upgraded my um, new 3DS XL to a new 2DS XL, I know it's not really an upgrade, but I just wanted the... The Down, new downgrading the you know? dimensions, upgrade and functionality. Up, upgrade and being better designed and 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 nicer. But I got my new 2DS XL, and they removed the little um, hooks on the ends where you could where you could hook straps and charms onto it. And I just want to say, looking at the playdate, they've they've got these these three holes on the corners where you could loop rope into to hang charms off there. You know. I'm into that. I, I can decorate my plate. That's so industrial. I love it. Yeah, I just love that they don't they don't try to hide it. It just looks like it's a little like a like a pallet out of a warehouse. I mean, okay. Well, first of all, question: Are those actually holes that go all the way through? I'm I'm looking at the render, and you can't get to its back. In the render, you can see the background color if you turn it. Oh, yep. There uh, it yeah, is. Yeah, yep. yeah. If you turn it, you can see the back and the other side. So yeah, they definitely do. Seems like a neat thing to just like tie a little a little string around and keep it attached yeah, to your wrist exactly, too. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, I didn't think about that. You'll never be without your play date. <laughs> Have it everywhere. You can always be on a play date. It's like the Wii. It's like the Wii wrist strap. Thanks but to Panic's new play date, here. you'll always be on a play date. Oh God. All right. That's uh, pretty much uh, what we came came with. So normally we'd read emails, but none of you guys. Send me emails. Come on. Why don't you like us? Come on. And good. At Daily Emerald, if you have questions you want us to answer or just dumb things you want us to talk about, message us, us if uh, you want a play date. Not the device, but if you just want to, I don't know, hang out. I'll bring over Mario. my yeah. blocks. Play some Mario Kart. Just invite, invite us out to some food and we can record blocks. there. <laughs> right in the restaurant, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. Oh, yeah. People will love Our it. Our producer seems to be enjoying the idea of that. Yeah. It'll be great. Does, does shaking head mean yes? Yeah, I think so. In some cultures. Anyways, seeing as we uh, don't have any of those to go through, I'd say it's about time to wrap it up. So this has been the Emerald Games Cast Episode 7, the HD Remaster Golden Edition, uh, now with Funky Kong mode. I've been Nolan. With I've, me been, is. I've been Alex. Jumping the gun again, but I do that too we often. talked about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> and also with me has been... I've been Andrea, and I will never outlive the horrors that I have learned.